Welcome everybody to Black Coffee and Theology. Let's get to better. <laughs> yeah, it's funny yeah. and re it's funny you're talking about like resources and these specific practices because I feel like when this topic is brought up um in non-black uh, spaces mm. uh the <laughs> the kindest way i could say it is uh you know there's all these how-tos of especially silent prayer is usually linked with uh being a contemplative and we know as black people whether we're silent or we're singing we can access mm. that place uh yes. whether we could be laughing with our friends and really accessing that contemplative space and so um the actions aren't as uh needed for black people because we know whether we're laughing rising or sleeping we can access that dream space we can access that uh liberated space it may take some work but mm -hmm. we don't only need to sit in a room uh quiet and alone although i, I do like that too um i like sitting <laughs> with my tea in the mornings but Same. I can, I can sit with, you know, I've sat with you having a conversation, um, uh, in person, you know, <laughs> and mm -hmm. in that con conversation where we were sitting outside and I felt like I was accessing that contemplative space, you know, as yeah. we were reimagining disability and what we mean, uh, in interfacing with the world, I felt like that was a contemplative conversation, uh, that mm -hmm. we were having, um. Mm, yeah 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 I, I, there's also the, the threat of when you make contemplation simple and you offer a set of simple practices then you can prescribe it for mm. you know and i think what comes to mind for me is like so how often the answer is like oh you know you're a little bit stressed there's a lot of injustice in the world and we're all struggling right now. So let's all download the Headspace app and just do 10 minutes a day and just, and you know what, that's beautiful. Like there's, there's, there's beauty in creating practice that is that simple. Um, but I think so often like contemplative practices get assigned to maintaining and sustaining the world that we're in mm. and not reimagining and pushing back and creating alternatives, uh, like letting our imaginations of what an alternative reality could be like inform how we live in this world. That's Ooh. that's where mm. you're. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Because I feel like that's kind of where it links up with the self care movement, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm all about the self care. I love it. I like it. I'm with it. <laughs> like people like, <laughs> should we all get massages? Absolutely. <laughs> if we can, <laughs> should we all light a candle? Absolutely. I got one lit right now. <laughs> but, um, and there's this thought of just maintaining, you know, where we are. Can we maintain uh, our sanity? Can we cope with society that's, you know, berating us, disparaging us? Um, as a Black contemplative, I want more than coping. There aren't enough massages in this world that are going to dismantle white supremacy. There aren't yes. enough, you know, candles in this world that are going to overtake the way the medical system has a lot of us stuck um, mm -hmm. in disabilities that we don't even need, right? Mm -hmm. And so 
I'm wanting that reimagining part that you're talking about. And I have to give you props on this pod. Um, you put me onto this book, Black Imagination, uh, curated by Natasha Marin. And uh, you have been talking about it for a while, like a while, while. <laughs> and then you were like trying to get other people to read it. I'm like, okay, Listen, can't I, be that. I'll push that book on you. <laughs> I was like, relax. It can't be that good. Like I, I got books. I mean, if you want to go, I could go. I've got books. <laughs> like this could be a Pokemon battle. I mean, I'll raise you a Bulbasaur. I, I got... Listen, I have books. So finally I broke down one day. Like, oh, let me just get this, you know, can't be that good. Mm-hmm. Why I opened the first page, <laughs> I was like, wait, <laughs> what are these? What's this liquid coming out of my eyes? <laughs> and um, the beauty of that book was, uh, I think the the first page were, was something to the effect of close your eyes and let the white gaze disappear. Mm-hmm. And uh, that immediately brought a sacredness um, to the book for me. Uh, you know, the book isn't expressly Christian in any way, um, mm-hmm. but there was a sacredness that I felt in that 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 uh, invitation and thinking about how much of my life I do center, you know, white feelings, how much I center white spiritualities. Um, mm-hmm. And it said, you know, close your eyes and let that disappear. And that invitation opened the book and, you know, she asked three questions at the beginning, um, something to the effect of, you know, imagine a world where you feel, you know, safe, valued, and loved, you know, those three aspects to her question. And, yeah. and so from there, the different people in the book are responding to, okay, here's what I imagine that world to look like as a Black person, where I feel safe, valued, and loved. and it's beautiful. It's also painful as some admitted readily. I cannot even imagine that in my wildest imaginations. And uh, that hurt because I felt that, right. Um, That contemplative, you know, that contemplative space in me was, I mourn that, right. That somebody's imagination couldn't even, science fiction cannot even bring you to that place. Mm. Um, so I know that's why many black people aren't in science fiction, because uh, people can't imagine us even in the future. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, um, yeah. Thoughts. <laughs> oh my goodness. <sighs> yeah, that book has a special place in my heart, and I feel like I stumbled upon that book like as part of a thought process around imagining a black world which is like in the same way that like you felt that feeling when you first read that first page, which I also felt um, when I read Kevin Kwashi's um, Black Aliveness or Poetics of Being, like he first, like his first prompt is imagine a black world, period. And I was just like, <gasps> like what kind of a question? And then he goes on to just kind of like, like spell out all these different ways that like black writers have, have created created spaces for us to imagine and it's almost like it like if there was a living room in the imagination actually thinking of Elizabeth Alexander's black interior she like says that like it's like having a living room that you're like tending to the space and you're keeping it um you're creating a space that's hospitable for for thinking and being and living in your blackness without apology 
And like those thoughts are, are so important to me, like thinking through those things. Um, and that's because for most of my life, I've been denied that space or the, the right to tend to that space because I've had to be in a space where I'm apologizing for my presence and being in the world or I'm trying to defend my right to be in the world or remember and recall a history and an inheritance of, of folks who have been like me in the world and say, yes, I have a right to be this way because these folks were this way. And so here I am. And it's like all of that, all of that work demands so much of your energy. And so to imagine a space where you don't have to do that labor and you can just exist, like there's something so powerful about that, that like for the past two years, like I have not been able to let that go. It has informed so much of like what I'm trying to do in be being contemplative in the world is like trying to tend to that space, that, that interior living room um, salon, if you will, because <laughs> you had to throw some patient in there. Like this is, this is the living room that my mother would not let me sit in growing up. Like this was the, for the guests only. <laughs> but now in my imagination, I'm allowing myself to sit in that space and be like, listen, I worked for this furniture. I deserve mm. it. <laughs> like I'm inviting myself here and mm. inviting others to sit in the space with me. Mm. It's funny you, that imagery you're using and it's um, uh, bringing up this image that stays in my mind, uh, stays ready, is uh, the clearing and uh, beloved, uh, with Tony Morrison's beloved. And um, I, I'm not going to cry out about that today because I, I, every time I mention that, I cry. I think, uh, you know, dwelling in that living room where, you know, you can relax, where you can, you know, let your hair down, so to speak. I'm reminded of that in uh, Beloved because, you know, she invites us into the clearing, you know, and how she describes, you know, the time of year that is there. Uh, that's happening. I can almost feel the trees, you know, this place carved out in the woods and it's so vivid. And into that place, she says that, uh, these black people come and they, uh, you know, she bids them to dance, to weep, to, you know, and cry, um, to laugh. And all these black bodies, are in this symphony together right and it's there that she opens her you know great big heart to them and I think of that in my mind when I think of uh, black contemplation I want to be in that place where black people are where we are at peace to uh, express the fullness of our emotions without judgment or fear where men can weep where men can dance um, which mm -hmm. isn't for us out in the world, right? You know, we, yes. by the time, whenever this um, airs, you know, this, you know, this past week, uh, a video came out where a black man was expressing himself and um, in the soft life. And um, there was so much ridicule of who he was, his masculinity. And um, I think of the clearing spaces is something that can only be imagined right now. Uh, mm -hmm. where Black men could be safe to express themselves, um, 
in the fullness of who they are, where black women can weep and dance with black men and children without enmity between all, you know, all the above. Right. Mm. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Like, as you were talking, um, I thought about another one of our favorite black contemplative influences. It's funny Cole because I, I literally was going to bring that up. <laughs> so Listen. look at the spirit. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Oh, yeah, if anything, um, just the presence of Cole Arthur Riley in the world is a gift, you know, just the presence. <laughs> Truly and just like indeed. the unapologetic censoring of Black stories and liberation and dreaming and quietness. Yeah, and, and also in such a public way as well. And in a lot of ways, like I feel like not only is she contemplative, like she's she's mystic in that way. Like there's this, um, she brings us into like her space, like in this here flesh, like into mm -hmm. her stories and her life. But you also don't know her. Like you, it's like you have access to a certain particular, like a particular portion of her story um which should enliven and influence and inspire you to tell yours um but she doesn't set herself up to be consumed and i think that is something that i'm consistently learning from and and wanting to i don't know i just keep coming back to this book like like it's just oh, anyways uh, you just just please just let's just talk about hope <laughs> yeah i think the beauty of um this here flesh was my favorite book of last year um uh there was a richness and you know all of the words <laughs> that were there and you could tell it was born out of this place of uh raw emotion um this place of divesting from toxic theologies um sketching where she has been where her family has been and where they're going and where we're going as a people. And to some degree, all of society, if if society is willing to go. Um, but she's also not going to center everyone in, the, in that. Like, we can go on towards freedom if y'all trying to go. <laughs> um, and so I think there there's a beauty in that and there's a humility, humility in the way that she carries herself. And... Um, telling black stories in uh is beautiful and i also like as someone who's chronically ill and uh she tells she weaves that in to her contemplation and how she sketches the future knowing that she is chronically ill and disabled too um that's there too um and there aren't enough uh black um public contemplatives who bring their disability to the the surface as well so yeah this is all just it's all so good and so rich and like each chapter like gives you something you can come back to mm -hmm. um it's like instantly timeless if that makes sense yeah um yeah there was mm. something like that i was thinking of my mind is reaching for it Mm 
Yeah, I'll come back to it at some point. <laughs> no, you're good. I wanted to ask my final grounding question. Um, what do you think that Black contemplatives and Black contemplation offers ourselves, you know, individuals, ourselves first and foremost, um, our community, and then, you know, lastly, the world, like, yeah. Mm. I think of like, this is probably, for me, the answer is definitely rooted in like a theological hope. And my first hope is that Black contemplation, um, and that is for the individual, for the Black individual who takes the space to contemplate in any capacity, where whether they have the space to sit alone or you're driving or you're doing chores and you just let your mind wander, um, that there's this like increasing sense that we are both free and getting free. And I was I gonna say that, whoa. <laughs> listen. <laughs> I, I was so serious, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Go ahead, how <laughs> yeah. <spirit. laughs> I think, the parts of me that are still wholeheartedly Christian, because even as I question so much about Christian tradition and the church and the state of institutions in the world, I still look at Jesus and I say, there's something beautiful about the declaration that the kingdom of, of God is at hand. And, and like your awareness and shaping a contemplative life is to access that that space and to and to go there in, in ways that allow you to to see it as a parallel reality with this one um where we're constantly like wow this world sucks can we get a refund um but also like no, there's right. something there's like a there's something in the air there's something pulling us towards something more beautiful more radiant and it's possible. It's here and it's possible. Um, yeah. So I, I feel like that is my first hope for the Black contemplative. And um, and for the world, if anything, um, like my journey through learning and, and, and thinking through all these issues of faith and justice, like I feel like at the beginning of it all, all I wanted was like, do you see, do you see us? Do you see Black people? Do you see us? Do you like really see us? Are we real to you? I mean, these are the questions that I first had. And then like, one, do we see ourselves? But also like, do you really see us? <laughs> and I think there's something, we work, we're constantly writing. Our stories are there. Our words are available. Like there could be no more Black people writing about the state of black people in the world and there is there's enough here to access for for folks who are non-black to to delve into to help illuminate um the world without consuming and assuming 
like once you've read a book, you know everything. <laughs> um, to appreciate, okay, so I think what I'm looking for is like um, Fred Moten uh, has this like phrase, the right to opacity. And like, we all have this right to opacity and to be deep and to have depth and to be black and dark and, and unperceivable and to be respected. And so often our world is, is like caters to the logic of, of command and um, mastery and closure. Uh, but for all of us to have the right to opacity means that some, some parts of us can exist without being fully known. And when we develop the right, like the contemplative life, like which is always pushing towards and appreciating the unknown and unknowable, then we can appreciate it in, in each other. And so when I asked the question, like, do you see us? Um, the answer could be no, but I'm trying to, and I'm trying, <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to behold what is beautiful about black people and to, and to recognize that in that beholding, I'm accessing a part of my own liberation. Um, and I think that's like, yeah, I think I will, I will rest there for, for that question. Mm -hmm. Just musing a little bit more on that, uh, thought of do that you know do you see us you know the the black uh, contemplative and black people asking you know the larger world um i think one of the beauties of rooting ourselves in this tradition that we have created and are creating um as black contemplatives or you know both here in in many stratas of our society um not just middle class, not upper, you know, um, everyone. And across the diaspora, I think something that we develop that is a is a boon to the world is we get to a place where we say, even if you don't see us, I see you. And I think of the strength of that. Um, this world, you may, you may never see us um, because of the, you know, the, the things that are, um, the privileges that are afforded you, uh, the ego that you have, um, the inability to get low and um, humble yourself. Regardless, I see you clearly. <laughs> um, and uh, being able to move in that that might. Um, yes. Go ahead, you were going to say I something. Remember James Baldwin. I remember James Baldwin saying something like this in a speech or to a crowd or something like, and he said like, white people don't really see black people, but we see them and we mm -hmm. have to know how to see them mm -hmm. because it's important for us um, to survive. And I think what is missing in so many spaces that value contemplation is the reality that, well, we got to get into, we can even talk about double consciousness. Oh, <laughs> it's, look. Okay. it's okay. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought it's of you like, said that. Not only do we, Black people have always had a contemplative life, but we've always had a contemplative life of like once seeing ourselves, but also seeing how the world sees us at the same time. Mm -hmm. like we've always had to maintain that. Um, and, and there's just so much, there's so much to be learned. And I feel like the more um, intersections of, of like, in other ways that a person is oppressed also adds layers to that. Just like disability also shapes another consciousness. Um, like, you know how you see yourself, but you're also conscious of how the world sees you. And so 
yeah, our embodiment matters and, and shapes what our interior contemplative life looks like. And I think for those who, who want to access and learn, um, if anything, like if those who want to learn from black contemplatives, like realize they need to realize that like what they're learning is not just, you know, what we think about ourselves and what we think about the world, but what we, what we have also observed about those who have walked this world with privilege and, um, and what we hope is illuminated in them for them to contemplate their own realities. So. Yeah. I, oof. Yeah, you're right. Oh, that double consciousness piece. I, um, yeah, I think for me, what I think that Black contemplation and contemplatives have to offer first to ourselves, I think is this place to be able to, you know, take that breath that you were talking about earlier, Rose. And the gift that that is when the world is trying to shape you and make you into something, to hurry you, to forget yourself, to be disembodied, to gaslight you. Um, Black contemplation pulls you into this place of where you can, for a moment, take a breath and and, uh, perceive what is really going on, Um, to process those microaggressions, to process, like, wait, did you really... Mm. Yeah, you said that. <laughs> yeah, like, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, how am I going to roll with that? You know, um, and being a black contemplative helped save me in my master's um, mm. program because I was able to perceive what is really important right now, and I have to tend to the things that make me good, uh, make me feel good, make me show up in beautiful ways. Um, I would not have gotten out of that place without it. <laughs> being a contemplative. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think we are a witness to one another and an inspiration to one another that says there is life beyond uh, what we are experiencing. And I think at that mm-hmm. place, there's this communal, um, especially in Black spaces, there's this communal blessing that is commanded there. Um mm-hmm. And then I think about we also, uh, for the world, I think we, um, I think of this promise from Jesus when the disciples came to him, because they noticed some things were funny, some things were up. They're like, hey, <laughs> we left everything to follow you, play it. <laughs> you know? um, this is my translation. Um, and <laughs> hey, we going to get our stuff. <laughs> um, I'm just looking around. I'm not seeing the stuff. <laughs> and um and Jesus promised them uh, things both now and in the age to come. And he, you know, he rightly affirms that, yes, you have given up these things. Those who follow after me will receive both now and in the age to come. One translation talks about. Um, mm. And I think in Black contemplation, we hold the tension of both well. We say that there is something coming. There is this kingdom coming um, mm-hmm. that we are trying to um look to to hope in um that that beautiful dwelling place for all of creation but it also sketches out what is to be gained in the now you know we're not just living for the age to come and it's black contemplatives um are at the heart of the civil rights movement for abolitionist movements um 
in, mm-hmm. in so many justice-related things as we try to fight misogynoir in our communities. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes that Black contemplative to say, we are not at peace yet. Um, like, this is not enough freedom. <laughs> it's the freedom mm-hmm. for me. It's the non-freedom for me. So uh, <laughs> the, the Black contemplative, <laughs> yeah, this is not it. The Black contemplative can really pull that there through a variety of means. And I think um, that is a boon to this world to know that this is not it. Um, and I think of all of the activists, but I also think of the one, the ordinary, regular, regular people uh, who help point us to this isn't it. And I think of on Instagram, my algorithm mostly are right now are black men uh, with plants, you know, and lovingly taking care of their yes. plants. Uh, black men going on walks, black men playing music. I have so my feed is filled with black men across the spiritual sp- spectrum who just play piano. And I think mm-hmm. of the the prophetic witness of that's con- that's black con- contemplation for me. Um, although they may never identify with that term, but they're yeah. so divested from what black men should be doing that they're pointing to a beautiful place that you can access. Um, yeah, so that's what I, th- I think the gift that we offer one another in the world. Um, any other thoughts? I can tell you, Bruno, oh, some things. That's beautiful. <laughs> I mean, it's like, <laughs> oh, I'm just, I'm just like dwelling on the things that you shared because there's so much there. Um, but yeah, I, when I think of, I, there's, there's, at least for me, like contemplation and creativity are so related and that and, and reflection and transformation are connected. Like we don't, Mm. we don't get liberative theologies without reflection because, because liberation theology implies that like the theology is written after the actions have been done. Like when we've taken the time to say, Oh, Mm. look what we did. And now Mm -hmm. we're like, we're writing about it. Um, And these days I find myself wondering, like, yeah, I guess I'm like wondering a lot more about contemplative action in the world. Mm -hmm. And in that wondering, um, yeah, I think like, I want to, to, to get back out into spaces of, of doing and being and trying to live out the visions that I at least like the visions of freedom that I hope to see in the world and then come back and write about it and see what happens and I think I'm 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 beginning to to accept as a poet and a writer that there will be elements of my contemplative life that I will not be able to write down Mm. and I will just have to live and I just recently um, came across a speech um where Solange was talking about um, like how she was looking for these, uh, she was looking for validating images in the world, like people that could like affirm like who she was or find language to like describe like who she was. And then she was like, and then I decided that I'm just going to stop looking and just be it. And I just love that. I know exactly (laughs) what what you're talking about that interview too. I Yeah. mm. Yeah. And I think, I think the, my hope um, in this world that's so riddled with like, oh, just 
I think it's like, it will be constantly my, my fight as a writer to, to write what I can and live what I can't <laughs> mm. <laughs> or, or dream mm. what I can't. Um, and to constantly just like work within that tension that I think what, what is beautiful about embracing a contemplative life is it constantly humbles you, um, mm. pointing you to the things that you cannot possibly hold or describe. Mm. And mm. yeah, wonder, I think that's like the, the final word <laughs> just mm. to add. It was like that, that cultivating capacity for wonders is such an important part of our liberation is just all people. Mm. Well, amen, amen. I agree. <laughs> mm. Thank Black Coffee and Theology Pod is a production of Three Black Men, the podcast about theology, culture, and the world around us. Follow us on Twitter at Three Black Men. If you like the content that you are receiving here and want to receive more, whether that is in longer conversations, essays, devotions, and videos from either myself, Sam, or Trey, please sign up for, for our Patreon at patreon.com slash three black men. Don't forget to like, rate, and review Black Coffee and Theology Pod as well as Three Black Men.